to get to. Let's get to it first. We've got to talk about ghettos. Why are we ghettoizing Canada? Why? Why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense to me. It is a ridiculous idea that, as I said in the intro, will not solve the problem. It's maybe a stopgap measure to solve specific homelessness problems, but this is not going to solve that problem. There are people now who don't like going to shelters. Why would they want to go to this staffed concentration camp style thing? Here is what Peterborough is doing. Naya says, Peterborough, Ontario has created these mini houses. Hard to tell from budgeting what it costs, but it looks like about $3.5 million, which is $60,000 each unit. Seems expensive, but factor electricity, windows, ventilation, and bathrooms also will be staffed 24-7. Ah, the trick is there's no bathrooms. It's just a unit with, uh, I think there's a sink, but I don't think that there's a toilet or bathroom in your unit. There's a communal area, and I'll I've got a picture of it, so sh I'll show it to you in just a minute. Here's the flyover of this um, tiny home ghetto co constructed in Peterborough. Here we go. There's no audio. Oh, I thought there'd be audio, but it is using a drone. And so they're, they're brightly colored. It's like blue and green and red. And then that repeats. They kind of look like salt box houses. And um, when you look inside, they have a bed um, and the basic kind of trimmings. Here's what the inside looks like. Uh, it's, this guy's got a bed or this one's got a bed, a garbage can, a little mini fridge, a nightstand, and a, a dresser, and a fire extinguisher. And oh, by the way, they're de it's definitely um, shipping containers. Like, And the window is tiny. Like the window is very, very, very small. This is, <laughs> I am pretty sure that if you were a prisoner, you get your own sink and toilet. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to go down the street to access the sink and toilet. This is also definitely, the bathroom unit is definitely constructed out of a shipping container as well. And so Dr. Thomas, and this guy's a he, him, and PhD. Oh, I think those two, those two things are in conflict. If you have PhD in your, in your profile name and also he, him, you don't deserve that PhD, sir. Um, anyway, he says, the five stall, somebody says, I love this. But what about sanitation? I don't see any toilets. How will the city manage human waste? Don't want to cause unnecessary illness. Hoping there's a plan I missed. Yikes. Yeah, and, and Dr. Thomas says, the five-stall toilet sink shower facility is gorgeous and is built out of a shipping container um, and <laughs> plays an important part, as will the shared cooking and community service provider area when it opens soon. So you have to leave your your bed area and go to the bathrooms. That's going to go well in the middle of the night. Can you, can you imagine? You have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you're like in this blue unit here. Do you think you're going to walk all the way to wherever the bathrooms are unless the bathrooms are maybe directly across? And then the other person down here probably not going to walk all the way to the bathrooms, right, in the middle of the night. So how quickly do people start peeing up the side of their, their shipping container bedrooms? That... <laughs> I don't see this being a good solution, even with staff. How many staff? One, two, three, ten. What if there's a fight, right? You call the police and you hide in your shipping container. Lock that door. That's why the windows are small. 
right? It just seems like a very, very bad plan. And it seems like a ghetto. And it seems like something that will not solve the situation, will not solve the problem. It seems like a good idea because we've been sold the idea that if you are homeless, the solution to all of your problems is to give you a house. That's not often true, okay? There are other issues that will impact. And if you put a bunch of people who have other issues and you say, look, we gave you a house, now all your problems are solved, and you expect that to be true, and then when it's not true, you're shit-shocked and unprepared, and you have a whole ghetto full of people with mental health issues and other assorted issues that sure aren't homeless, but they don't care about your community. They don't care about your little ghetto. They don't, they're not saying, yeah, we all live in the ghetto and this is great. Like, this is not, this is not the solution they think it is. It's not a white picket fence. It's not putting your life back together, right? Like, what's the exit? The exit strategy doesn't even matter. Like the maintenance strategy, what's the six month strategy? How long can they stay? Can they stay indefinitely? You have 60 houses. What happens if you have 120 homeless people? Do you put bunk beds? Like there's so many problems with this. And I don't mean, no, I do mean to be critical because it seems like they haven't thought it through. It seems like they've thrown money at this before thinking it through and it's ridiculous. Here's Mayor Cam Guthrie and this is the Guelph mayor, my mayor, mayor, and he says, my sincerest hope is that my motion will highlight the untenable position cities have been kept in while advocating continually for solutions. The homelessness crisis alongside addictions and mental health struggles have escalated province-wide due mainly to a lack of health care and urgent housing supports. I hope my motion elevates to the province the need for immediate help to those struggling, leaving people in unstable and unsafe situations without these adequate resources and supports is equally untenable. These issues have converged upon our downtown core and impacted our small and medium-sized businesses disproportionately. Our citizens and visitors' ability to frequent our downtown with increased open drug use, trafficking, harassment, waste, health and safety concerns, and violence can't be ignored any longer. As a first step, we need to address the growing number of illegal structures impeding our public spaces for the well-being of everyone. This can't continue. The motion will be tabled on November 28th at 6 p.m. And here's part of the motion. It says uh, encampments within the downtown, but just within the downtown. Now, I was looking and I couldn't find it. I, I saw people talking on Twitter yesterday or the day before, a couple of days ago, talking about how Guelph encampments were being removed so torn like taken down and but they were being relocated to an approved area where the where the encampment would be allowed and i equated this to the city giving land away and i should get in quick it's like a a land rush right you know like get in there quick get your tent in there right because if you don't well i mean all the good spots by the bathroom will be taken right i don't know if you want to be by the bathroom or not um because it'd be close at night and so it would smell less like pee, but also like it would smell like pee all the time because you're by the bathroom, right? So, ah, 50-50. But regardless, I think that it's strange and I couldn't, I couldn't find the um, conversation that I, that I had seen yesterday or the few days ago and I asked somebody, but I haven't got back. She hasn't responded yet because she's, she's the one who's saying the encampment is here, um, but I couldn't, I couldn't find I couldn't find a definitive, like they're moving people from encampment A to encampment B. So I don't have that to show you, but here's, here's the recommendation. And again, it bothers me that it's just the downtown because that would mean any, anybody could just come set up a tent in the park and that would be technically legal. Why don't we just say no encampments in Guelph? Because that is not a solution to any problem. Um, anyway, the staff 
will be directed to bring forward a draft bylaw for council's consideration to an upcoming committee of the whole agenda as soon as possible that prohibits erecting temporary or permanent structures or shelters without permission on lands owned or occupied by the city of Guelph within the downtown secondary plan geographic area, geographical area, as well as prevents any illegal, dangerous, or flammable items that might cause damage or injury from being brought onto this area. And that staff be directed to provide any legal advice throughout the development of the draft bylaw to council as needed for further consideration. So um, interesting, and it doesn't go far enough, and it doesn't really solve the problem, in my opinion. Here's Patrick Brown talking about a similar situation. Mayor Patrick Brown says he warned senior levels of government that fatalities could happen, and they had have ignored the refugee asylum seeker crisis. He states up to 150 are sleeping outside per night and more. And so this is two and a half minutes. We won't listen to all of it, probably, but here we go. Yesterday we had a fatality, and we've been warning senior levels of government since July this was going to happen. And right now we have on average between on the low end of 46 to the high end of 150 asylum claimants sleeping outside every night. You know, this in a country as prosperous as Canada, in a region as prosperous as the GTA um, and Peel region, it is beyond comprehension that we've allowed this to happen. And when I got the news of a fatality yesterday, my heart broke, it sunk. And we've just heard excuses. On Friday night, it's going to go below zero. And when you have up to 150 people sleeping outdoors, there will be more fatalities. We're calling on our partners and other levels of government, particularly the federal government, to help. There are a proposal right now before the federal government um, where they could help us mitigate this pending humanitarian disaster, and that's what it is. The situation has reached a crisis uh, state. We have spoken to both the province and the federal government to look to solutions where we can all work together. And one of those solutions is a welcoming centre at the airport. We need to find immediate solutions right now and the best way that that can happen is when we are all working together. There are about 1,200 asylum claimants in Peel's shelter system, primarily in hotels. That is about 68% of all people inhabiting or using our shelter system at the moment. Typically it's about 4 or 5%. We are dealing with an affordable housing crisis on top of an asylum claimant crisis and trying to use the same system to deal with both. We have a sense of humanity in this country. We're known for that. We are a beacon of hope around the So um, it seems like nobody is going to listen to anybody that there are problems with the policies we can't keep bringing people in 68 percent of people using the shelter system are refugees foreigners people who don't didn't grow up in canada and haven't bought into the system haven't paid into the system through their labor or contribution to the country what is wrong with putting them onto a plane and sending them home that would be much cheaper than all of these fretting oh no we have to solve these foreign problems these foreign we have to make sure they don't freeze in a tent in canada because canada fundamentally misrepresent misrepresented the opportunities here and so the least we could do is say sorry we screwed up here you go here we'll send you back right um, now i'm not necessarily talking about foreign students or anything like this but certainly refugees who are in um, shelter systems being put in hotels. How is that? It's not a plan. It is not a long-term solution. This is not going to solve the problem. It's going to 
exacerbate the problem longer into the future and cost a lot of money. A plan would be take all of the people who are illegally in the, in the country, put them onto a plane, fly the plane out of the country and send them back to where they came from. Make a couple of stops on the way. Here you go. See you later. Um, there's all sorts of real solutions. Stop immigration, right? Um, there's all sorts of real solutions that the provincial government, the federal government should be undertaking because their job is to work for us for the benefit of Canadians in Canada. Canadians should be able to afford housing. Canadians should be able to afford food. Canadian businesses should be able to afford to operate, to create Canadian goods that are sold to Canadians and then exported to other countries because our products are wonderful and other countries want to buy them. We should have pipelines coast to coast. We should have sane governance. And why, why don't we? I can't explain. Our governance, these people, instead of talking about real solutions, start talking about how our government is responsible suddenly for foreigners and we need hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure the foreigners can be put up in hotels because we don't want them to freeze in tents. That's not a solution. It is a distraction. It is taking you down the garden path of pretending to find this solution for this immediate problem. The immediate problem is created by bad policy at the federal level. And these people, sure, they can't undo the, the bad federal policy. I wonder what happens if Patrick Brown fills up a plane and flies out, flies at home. So see you later, guys. We're not doing this. We're not freezing you. And we're sorry that we misrepresented the opportunities available. We're full. See you later. How much trouble could he get in? A lot? Probably a lot. But still, I mean, holy smokeroni, somebody should be doing something to solve this problem rather than pretending to solve the problem and arguing about a non-solution like $200 million for, well, Mayor Chow, Mayor Chow was asking for $200 million for Toronto. So he's, and the other thing he said was a place like, so, that's so rich, right? So we've got such abundance here in Peel region. We've got such abundance here in the GTA. That does not mean that our abundance gives us the responsibility to rehome anybody who wants to arrive in Canada at our cost, right? Like, oh, I noticed, I noticed that this house is really, really expensive. You guys must be rich. I'm, uh, I'm just going to come and hang out here on your living room, and uh, I hope you don't mind. It's, it's clear that you can afford it. You're rich. So, I mean, it, it would be an abhorrent thing for me to not have this nice and comfortable place to be, right? So thanks, rich people. That's not how it works, right? And that's not how it works in countries either, right? And just having people show up doesn't mean they automatically have or should have access to all of the benefits of being Canadian and all of the protections and all of the rest. And the government should have uh, responsibility to the people, the citizens here, to protect them from being fleeced by predatory people who are just coming for the, for the milk and honey. National Post says Canada needs a lot more immigrants. <laughs> this is November 16th. Uh, almost double the current rate in the long run, says RBC. How come we don't want to have Canadian babies? Why not? An economic update from the Royal Bank of Canada says the federal government is doing the right thing in keeping immigration levels unchanged from its previous targets, but adds that in the long term, more newcomers will be needed to stabilize the age structure of the country and keep the economy rolling. So it's not just that we have to take all the immigrants and we have to house them at our cost. It's that we have to double it. We have to do everything and anything and all of the things we can. And it's just, and you can't question it. Holy smoke you're not allowed to question it at all. I don't believe these reports. I don't believe that there's a job shortage. I don't believe that we need to increase immigration. And I think that we should follow Hungary and, and some other Eastern, um, Eastern European 
country's example and have incentives of if you are a mother of two, you get a 25% tax break. A mother of three, you get a 50% tax break. A mother of four, you get a 100% tax break um, for life. No income tax on, on you have to pay. You don't have to pay any income tax ever. Um, and, and certain other advantages as well. One, I think it's Hungary, gives a seven-seat minivan to people who have six kids or something like that. I think I think that's how it works. Um, so can you imagine? You know, we got five kids. Do you want to? I want the minivan. Let's let's. Do it. I definitely want the minivan. We'll name him Chevy Astro. Um, Chris, let's talk about China and the influence of um, well, having Michael Spavor and Michael Kovic as spies, and that was what China said. And now that we have them back, one of the Michaels is suing the Canadian government for getting him. You know involved in this whole thing. Um, Chris says, wow, according to the Globe and Mail, Michael Spavor is seeking a multi-million dollar settlement from the federal government for entangling him in espionage work without his knowledge. Yikes. Um, Taiwan is the future of China, says, for the love of God, why isn't Freeland fired? In a testy 2019 exchange with conservative MP Aaron O'Toole, Foreign Affairs Minister Christia Freeland assured a House of Commons Finance Affairs Committee that she was that she wants to talk to China's foreign minister about the two Michaels detained. China has accused of undermining its national security. China claimed they were spies for Canadian intelligence, something Canada has always denied. Now Michael Spavor admits that it was true and blames the other Michael. So what? Why, why isn't she, why is she still the foreign minister? Why, or excuse me, she's not the foreign minister. She's the um, minister of finance and the deputy prime minister. So what, right? So she was not telling the truth about the two Michaels. They were spies. China was right. Holy smoke. That's pretty big news, don't you think? I think that's pretty wild. Let's talk about carbon taxes. And, and before I move on, I, I don't know that this is going to be another big bombshell because not that everybody already knew that they were spies, but this two Michaels thing is kind of out of the news cycle. This could drag it back. This could make uh, this could make a scandal out of this. Um, but there's so many scandals, it's hard to manage them. You have to almost prioritize the scandals and which ones are going to hit bigger. So you you strategically decide. It's like which shell do we use? You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're in a war or something like that, which uh, or if you're going into a, a massive multiplayer, you know, whatever, which gun do I use? You have to choose your weapon. If you if you have more options are better, right? If options are limited, then you have to go with what you've got. But if you have a whole big wall of scandals to choose from, you get to choose the best scandals. This one might be a good one, right? Might be a good one. So anyway, wild stuff. Let's talk about the carbon tax and the impact on the carbon tax. This video is two and a half minutes. It is worthwhile. This man illustrates, he's a short haul trucker, local trucker, and he illustrates the tax is applied on top of its, uh, on top of other taxes. So the carbon tax is calculated on the total price, including GST. And then a further tax is calculated on the total price, including the carbon tax. And that's just evil. It's evil. It's an evil thing to do. Here is that. So at the shop this morning, uh, beginning of the month, I always get my fuel bill. And I've talked a little bit before about uh, the impacts of carbon taxes on absolutely everything you buy. So I'm a truck driver. I operate locally. I'm not even a high miler. But I thought I'd share with you today the implications of the carbon tax on the goods and services that you buy. Because ultimately, when I'm being billed for this, 
I'm passing it on to you, the end user. So I'm going to go through my bill. I'm not a big, a big spender on fuel compared to many, many truckers. I'm actually pretty low. So you can extrapolate this out however you want to understand the impact. And remember that Canada is the only country in the world right now charging a carbon tax. We are being billed to solve the world's problem and nobody else is solving them. Let's take a look at my bill. There's probably easier, more tech-savvy ways, but let's deal with it the simple way. So at the end of the day, I buy regular, clear diesel, dye diesel, and diesel exhaust fluid. That's another emissions component. We'll talk about that at a later date. At the end of the day, I used 2,762 liters of fuel, and the total bill for my fuel was $3,402. Again, not a high miler. You'll notice that the bulk of it is right here. That is the clear diesel. Then there's a federal tax that goes on to the price of diesel. It's 118.56. So tax number one. Then there is a provincial tax, 223.46. Then there is the carbon tax, 462.69. Right here, carbon tax. So take your total, add your federal tax, then tax your provincial tax, then tax your carbon tax, and wait for it. There's more. Now we're going to put the GST on top of all the other taxes. For a grand total of, I spent $3,402 in fuel, $4,700. So there is $1,365 worth of tax on a fuel. I'm sorry. $1,300 worth of tax on $3,000 worth of fuel. That's a lot. That's a huge amount. And that is scandalous. And that is inflationary. And that makes your food cost more. That makes your everything cost more. Everything. Everything's brought everywhere by truck now. Um, Dan McTeague says, uh, he's responding to Timothy M. Timothy says, hey, Dan, I noticed all the 401 on routes have huge expansions going on. No actual announcement, but I've been anticipating the huge amount of space and charging stations need for, needed for 2028 copper galore needed just to build 100 charging stations along with transmission. Dan says, and every one of those charging stations has a $300,000 price tag. To do what 20 gas pumps can do, you need 200 recharge stations given the 40 plus minutes to do a decent recharge of up to 80%. Waste of time, money, and valuable resources. Yeah, yep, the whole thing is going to um, be a boondoggle. They're going to try and make this happen. It's like the government trying to make somebody popular. And to a degree, the media is able to do that. COVID was an example of that. Masks are an example of that. The vaccine is an example of that and probably an extreme example, but uh, masks and the vaccine got pushed by the government. They chose the winner. They said, this is the thing that you have to take. This is the safe and effective thing. They put a multi-billion dollar advertising blitz onto that. They had, what's this, the fat guy and, and a whole bunch of other people doing a rendition of um, Good Morning Baltimore, what was that, uh, Hairspray? And but for the vaccine, and it was terrible. It was terrible, but they did all sorts of, like big big athlete people were doing it. Um, all sorts of people were pushing this absolutely ridiculous thing. But that's an example of the government trying to get compliance, and it's not ever gonna get full compliance. So it's, it is very interesting to, to watch them try with this, right? Like they are pushing and pretending that this is going to work. And when it all falls apart, because it's going to fall apart and nobody's going to go with it, right? Already people aren't buying electric vehicles. We're not going to need these charging stations because there's not going to be enough of the electric cars on the road. But regardless, we're going to waste the money on it. But they're not. it's because people aren't going to go with them on it. The only way they can get what they want is by banning non-electric vehicles. But as we just saw with the straws and the plastic, 
they could try, but it's not going to last. And if I owned a restaurant, I would have been on the phone yesterday getting my order of straws ASAP. I would have gone to Zayers or Amazon, or I would have come home because I have plastic straws at my house and I would have put them in the straw thing at work and said, we're using those right now. We've switched over because it's ridiculous. Hello everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.